electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the everything rally, and whether your money is about to take off in the second half. Tom Lee tells us why he thinks that will be the case when he joins us in just a second. Our investment committee here to debate that call. Joining me for the hour today, Joe Terranova, Steve Weiss, Kerry Firestone, and Jim Labenthal. Let's begin with the check on stocks down. The S&P hitting new records once again. The latest inflation data, not as bad as feared. So Steve Weiss, Tom Lee is going to be with us in a moment to talk about his quote-unquote everything rally. Farmer Jim is now Mr. All-In because yesterday he told us he is all-in. And I'm wondering if uh, Weiss is frozen. I thought maybe he was sleeping. I wasn't sure. It might be his nap time. We'll have, to, we'll, have to, we'll have to try and wake him up to get him back in the conversation. So, Farmer Jim, I guess you, you get it first today. Yeah, he's still sleeping. Uh, Mr. All-In, are you still? Yeah, well, it's, it, well it's, it's hard to tell when uh, Steve is awake. It's not that much different than when he's asleep. But, yes, I am definitely, I'm definitely all-In. I and, hope you know, we can I, hear this I, at I, I the very least. <laughs> I know this is gold. Look, I, I don't want to be blasé, okay? The, the Delta variant is something we have to pay attention to. We're going to talk about airlines in a second. I don't want to steal the thunder, but clearly Southwest is saying they're seeing an effect. So we can't ignore the Delta variant, but at the same time, you can't ignore the positives. Uh, vaccine rates are picking up. Uh, you've got infrastructure spending looking likely to come. And, you know, if the Delta variant is as concerning as maybe Southwest is indicating it is, uh, that's going to put the Fed on hold. Uh, you know, before the Southwest news today, we had all, I forget, was it Bostick yesterday? It was one of the Fed governors who was yeah, sounding pretty aggressive. You know what? Powell is not going to let uh, taper start or lift off of rates uh, happen if the Delta variant is out of control. So I think I think you got to put this all together. And when you put it all together, we are still in an economy that is reopening. We're still in an economy that is gaining jobs. And most importantly, we're in a highly profitable economy where the profits are growing. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to steal thunder from everybody else. Well, the, the issue, Joe, though, to the, you know, let's just take this everything rally call. And Tom's going to have to defend it in just a second. But I look at the 10-year. It's at 135 today. It ticks higher as we did get the inflation read. And it wasn't as bad as some had feared. And that's probably one of the reasons why and maybe the principal one as to why stocks are higher today. But the notion of the everything rally suggests that technology, which is so sensitive to higher interest rates, is able to brush that off and that those stocks are able to rise even as yields move higher. Is that going to work? Yeah. I would agree with that, and I think it's very similar to what we experienced in the second quarter of 2010, handing off from 2029. Uh, um, really, the reality of last year was that basically everything rallied. It didn't matter the quality of your balance sheet, and ultimately at a certain point, Scott, you're going to pivot away from that, and you're going to experience an environment where quality ultimately is going to matter. So I think that's where technology comes into play. Certainly, mega cap technology 
is where I would be focusing because that's where you're going to find the most quality. But I think what's important to understand uh, about the rally that we're potentially going to have here towards the end of the year, I still see a tremendous amount of hesitancy, a tremendous amount of skepticism regarding where the equity market is overall. And really? I think it's reflected it. I, I do. do you and see I think it? it's like, reflected. When you say you see it, where do you see it? Because mm -hmm. I started the show today okay. by saying S&P Dow, new highs yet again. So where is it? A lot of the conversations that I would have with hedge fund managers, mm -hmm. a lot of the actual performance results that you're seeing from uh, large cap mutual fund managers, I think it's reflected there, Scott. I think people are questioning valuations. I think people are looking for a correction in the marketplace. And what I'm seeing currently this month is financials. Leading sector, you know that's where I'm allocating XLF, KRE, BAC. I believe in that financial story. But you know what? It's not about a cyclical rotation. It's about this chase for performance where hesitant bulls have to be in the market and they're looking at, okay, where was the latest correction? And that's kind of where they're pinpointing and targeting and going in and repositioning. So I think that's even more powerful for the remainder of the year to Tom's everywhere type rally than if we had a cyclical rotation or a cyclical rally, because the cyclical rally, that ultimately peters out. I think this is more powerful. I still think that skepticism is prevailing and the, the, the chase for performance mm -hmm. into year end is going to come into play. Okay. Uh, Steve Weiss's shot has woken up, I'm told. Um, don't know if he was sleeping <laughs> or if it was just a shot. So it's only right, Steve, that I come to you now. I think that's only fair. As I said at the top, Tom Lee says everything rally. Farmer Jim says I'm all in. Where are you now? Well, first of all, for a guy who still uses a clamshell phone, I don't know how Boomer Jim was able to hack into my <laughs> into my system here. <laughs> but he, he, here, here's where I am. Look, I, I don't think it's everything rallies. I just think that's too trite and way too easy, and that's just not going to happen because we're in the later stages of the bull market where we're seeing major gains. Now, markets still go up 90% of the time. We know that. And sometimes that 10% can be painful. So I think that rates, and I think this is where the delta is, in my view, and where there is not enough uh, sort of concern, which is that rates are going to move up a lot quicker than what's in most forecasts. And that's going to keep a lid. I agree with Joe, ultimately, that reasonably priced tech can do well, but I think it's going to be rocky. I think we're seeing a little bit of that today. So it's you can be all in, but you got to be in in the right stocks in the right sectors. And that's just not that easy to do. So I'd rather keep some cash and take it and deploy it optimistically like we're seeing opportunities today. Look, we, and, we've um, we've gotten you know, what, what are the wild okay. cards. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but what are the wild cards? Yeah. And we we keep talking about it almost as right. an aside is the notion that the Fed comes in sooner than people had originally thought. This was one of those weeks where you had Fed speak that was, I think, decidedly hawkish. Steve Leisman yesterday talked about a more fractured Fed in that some of the conversation more lately uh, has been a little hawkish. I'm looking at comments that just moved uh, just now, and it's from Esther George, uh, I think the Kansas City Fed president, who says the time has come to dial back extraordinary Fed easing. The message being sent this week, Carrie, is tapering is coming sooner rather than later, at least as some see it. 
Who knows what the Fed chair ultimately does? And he's going to speak later this month at Jackson Hole, and that's going to be a key speech. And then the September meeting may, may be the first inkling of, of the taper. Is the market going to be cool with all that? Well, the Fed has been signaling that this is coming, and people who watch the market have a full understanding that it... Not this explicitly. Oh, I, I understand that. But, but the market, if we, if we uh, think through what's happened with interest rates, a few months ago, everybody was saying that rates would be over 2%, and they looked like they were heading that way. And then they fell back to 1-2, or even slightly below. So the actual market has not been so demanding of money that it was pushing rates higher. There is a lot of cash on corporate balance sheets. There is more cash than banks are, are able to lend. They're having trouble making loans. Growth of loans has really been much weaker than one would have expected at this level in a recovery. So I'm not sure that the market has to worry um, worried to the extent that the bears would suggest about the tapering. Because, yeah, that tapering is coming. But we know that Jay Paul is very interested in the level of employment and what GDP is doing. As much as they're caring about inflation, which they would like inflation to be in the 2% range, and inflation, you know, is currently high, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen over the next six months. I, I don't think we've got a lot of fear about rates running through the roof and there being a big correction as a result of rates. A as a matter of fact, uh, a point that was made, I, I think, Scott, you said, don't we have to worry about tech? Remember that the big technology companies, they don't have to borrow a cent. They have billions and billions in cash, and their balance sheets will benefit if rates go higher because their interest income will go up. It's small companies where higher interest rates for a company that's not earning any money for the next five years, that will affect the valuation of those companies much more than Microsoft, Apple, um, you know, Facebook, where it, th those companies don't, don't need a cent. They generate so much Google, so much cash flow. Okay. Uh, let's bring in Mr. Everything Rally. Tom Lee, he is the head of research at Fundstrat. He joins us on the phone. Tom, welcome. It's good to talk to you again. Thanks, Scott. Good to be here. Sorry I'm not there in person or live. That's okay. Uh, we appreciate you joining us nonetheless. I just mentioned Esther George's comments that it's, you know, it's time. Getting time. Bostic yesterday, others before that. And you may get more in the days ahead. The 10-year last Monday, eight, nine days ago, was 112. It's at 135 right now. Is that a problem for your everything rally call? Uh, that, the Fed could change everything. So it is one of the conditions that can turn into a headwind. Um, and I would say the everything rally, there's a lot of pieces in place that really support a big move into the end of September. But absolutely, if the Fed, uh, if the Fed does turn hawkish as a hawkish surprise, then the window in October is potentially some sort of pullback. Um, but, you know, given uh, the Delta variant spread through emerging markets in Asia, I I would be surprised if anybody had confidence to say it now was the time to tighten. Well, let's be clear, though. So let's say, let's for argument's sake or just for the sake of this conversation alone, in and of itself, the Fed chair goes to Jackson Hole. He starts to make it kind of obvious to people that the taper's coming. And then at the September meeting, which I think is the 21st and 22nd or 20th and 21st, something right around there, then they actually announce they're going to start tapering. 
I don't know how far-fetched that is, but let's, for argument's sake, say that happens. So that, that ruins your call? That has an impact, Scott. I mean, the, the magnitude of it, I think, is unknown until we know how much of a hawkish surprise it is. Um, but, you know, between now and September 21, I mean, that's, you know, that's six weeks. And given the rise in rates and infrastructure and the fact that the right risk assets are moving, and I think even from a technical perspective, you know, the DeMarc count really essentially is recycling today, I, I, we have a pretty big risk on move underway. And if the Delta variant indeed is peaking this week, which is what Dr. Gottlieb and even the IHME have forecast, there's going to be a, a real sigh of relief. And, and I agree with Joe and the others' comments that investors are cautiously positioned. I think people were looking for a 10% correction in August. And if we have a risk rally, there's a lot of chasing that's going to take place. Yeah. The other, I mean, the point you're making today is the key. You say today is a key. Can you be more specific for our viewers as to why they need to watch today specifically as the start for your everything rally call? Yes. Uh, so, you know, our original view was July, August chop. And then as, as the week, as the last week progressed, you know, with Delta variant peaking and, and the tenure reversing, and then the right groups rallying like China, Europe, Casinos, Airlines, we were getting the sense that we should be moving towards risk on. But today was important because... Uh, Jim Cramer on CNBC had last week flagged the potential 13 cell setup in the S&P. You know, it's a DeMarc system, and I'm a big fan of Tom DeMarc and the DeMarc analytics. And the 13 appeared on Thursday. And if the market has to respond within four periods, the day four is today, Wednesday. So unless a sell-up starts today, then it's likely a recycled 13. And that what that usually means is instead of a sell there's a larger trend underway. You have to zoom out. And this larger trend is actually a big risk rally. The typical move is something like 7 8% over three months. So this is something that could push the S&P towards 4,800, uh, you know, before October. Yeah. So, but, so I, mean, I think it's a big deal. Yeah. You, I mean, you do admit yourself, though, there are, there are a fair amount of risks to your own thesis. And I think it's worth noting that for our viewers, any number of things could happen, be something unexpected with the Delta variant, uh, or certainly the Fed. And, you know, I don't know what the baseline is at this point where it's moving, but the speaking is definitely more hawkish. The idea that tech can continue to go up, even if rates continue to go up, that doesn't worry you at all? Uh, I, I think there's going to be a break point, Scott, where a level of rates is going to cause consternation. But, you know, in, in our sort of central case, Tech has a big catch-up trade to make because you you look at Amazon up two percent year to date, Apple up you know barely nine, S and P's up eighteen percent year to date and could be up twenty five percent for the year. I think a lot of risk on capital money that's been on the sidelines is going to go into Fang. Uh, that you know Apple, Amazon could have a twenty percent move into year end, and that's big enough to make them an overweight. So I, I think it's an everything rally that takes everything up. But you're right. It, nothing's a guarantee there. You know, if we hit a certain level of rates, I don't know what it is. People are going to start to do the DCF analysis and say, get me out of growth. Yeah. And that would turn into a, a rotation trade. But right now, I think it's a risk on everything rally. Tom, I'm going to make that the last word. I want to kick some more stuff around with my crew, but I appreciate you joining me. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you soon. That's Tom Lee of Fundstrat. So, Joe, he's not the only one that thinks this, right? I mean, I put this straight to Rick Reeder of BlackRock, world's largest asset manager yesterday. Say, are you in that camp? Do you think we could have an everything rally? Here's what he said. 
I mean, the equities are going higher. I mean, when you look at free cash flow yield of the equity market today in the fours and earnings yield, if you take forward earnings estimates, you get, I mean, and by the way, in some of those companies we just talked about, you've got, you've got forward earnings yield of seven, eight, nine percent, you know, versus the 10-year note at, uh, that is now breaching 130. Um, they're pretty attractive. I mean, there's still a bunch of valuations that make sense across the equity markets. All right, Joe. I mean, he said he's buying FANG, buying some retail, big box and otherwise, buying some industrials. Doesn't love the financials, as he said, just on valuations, but that's neither here nor there. He's buying an awful lot of different sectors. I fully agree with that, and that's the positioning that I have, and I think a lot of it relates back to the liquidity, and it relates to the comments surrounding the taper, and I think what's important to understand is the last experience of taper. What did it mean for the market? What did it mean for equities, and how should you think about that looking forward? Well, you have a conversation where you introduce the concept of tapering. We expect that to come in the next three months or so. Then you actually begin to taper. But ultimately, when do you end the taper program? When does that ultimately end? Well, we know that that was a year later from 2013. This time around, I'm not necessarily sure that's going to be a year. You know, people are talking about raising rates. First, let's end the taper program. Let's begin to normalize the size of the balance sheet. And given the evidence as we see it towards the inflationary pressures that we were so highly concerned about, Scott, I think the liquidity is going to remain with us far longer than people think. Tell me ultimately when the Federal Reserve is going away. I think at that point, there's your risk to equities. But until that a moment occurs, just think about that liquidity is continuing to nourish risk assets. It's a very good point you make. Um, and by the way, Robert Kaplan, Dallas Fed president, one o'clock, Steve Leisman, you don't want to miss that today. Very important interview given the Fed speak that we've gotten already this week, some that we got during our program today, and then the subsequent chatter that we may get in the hours and days ahead. So don't miss Robert Kaplan at one o'clock today. Also mention there are a lot of stocks making new highs today. Weiss, Target is among them, along with Goldman, which you own as well. Yeah, look, the market is continuing to reward, I think, spending and interest rates. So it's natural that Goldman continue to move up. Uh, Target just been a juggernaut for, for a few years now. Uh, so Rick Reeder, I believe, is right. Uh, the only ones I'd be cautious about in terms of the experience, in terms of retail, are ones that are really focused on children under 12 because they're not vaccinated, and that's where parents uh, seem to be keeping them at home. Uh, look, to me, you'll see this continue, but for a Fed where the, where the outliers in terms of speaking out have been relatively contained under Powell versus under Yellen, where everybody was talking a different book, you know, basically every day, this is a concentrated effort and a very, very well-planned effort by Powell to massage the market in advance of an earlier than previously stated well, tapering. I don't know. And it'll also Steve, continue into a Steve Leisman, right, the, our Fed whisperer, suggests that you have a fractious mm -hmm. Fed now, right? And it's unclear if this is a concentrated effort or if this is a dissension, if you will, from some folks who are more hawkish on the Fed who are trying to spin things in the direction that they believe things should go. And I'm sure he's going to ask Kaplan something to that effect when he speaks to him in about 45 minutes or so. That's one school of thought. I take the other school of thought that it's just, it, to me, it's just patently obvious that it's one statement after the other that's messaging 
so you don't have that taper tantrum in the market. I actually think it's brilliant. And if you take a look in the history over the last few years, sure, people come out and they break the party line at some points. That's natural. But basically what you've got is Powell who cannot come out and say, I've changed my mind or I'm going earlier. It wouldn't be a change of mind, but he said inflation is transitory. We're seeing some of that, and then we're seeing also wages move up. Those won't be rolled back. So he's got to start to rethink it, and I think he's been proven right so far. He'll take a victory lap, and I do believe the Fed tapers this year. I wouldn't be surprised if it's at the next meeting that they say we're going to do it. So, yeah, it's not going to be uniform, okay. and it's not going to be Powell saying it, because then game over. Now, the other issue we need to discuss, and we need to do it now, I was going to do it in a little while, Steve, but we need to do it now, and I'm going to keep you uh, front and center with me here. Moderna shares, I'm looking at them right now. Um, you may want to go back to sleep at this uh, segment of the program, because <laughs> Moderna is down about 15.5% right now, okay? It's uh, $387, almost, well, 388 We'll call it. And just as I put you on to talk about it when it was ripping, I'm going to come to you yep. because it's dipping <laughs> and it's dipping hard. And people on Twitter uh, are having a little fun at your expense now. So what do you want to say? Well, first of all, uh, I want to make sure Jim didn't initiate a position in the stock this week <laughs> because that could be the root cause of this. Look, here's here's the story. The stock was up 17 percent. You basically where you were in the price, stock price about a week ago. Did it get ahead of itself? clearly got ahead of itself as momentum stocks do often. However, the fundamentals are still there. Nothing's changed. In fact, they've gotten significantly better. If you take a look at the deal with Canada yesterday, they became the, uh, the de facto response for future pandemics, and there will be them, as well as you had news coming out, which I had mentioned, and now it's widely circulated, that their vaccine's superior to the Pfizer vaccine. But they're building a plant in Canada essentially for free with a take or pay where Canada's got to take a certain number of their vaccines. They're going to replicate that throughout the world. They are a branded company. So it could go lower. I shaved some yesterday. It was an irresponsibly large portion of my portfolio. I have sold calls, and that's what Peter alluded to when he spoke about our conversation. I'm not surprised if a stock can go up 17% in a day. It yeah. can definitely go down 17% but, in a day. But So you know, I'm still there. It's still a re- it's still very large position. My very, memory, very large. my memory serves me well, and I think it was two days ago. Maybe it was yesterday. I don't. I just don't remember at this point. Right. Um, where I posed a very direct question to you about whether it was time mm -hmm. to advise people to buy more or sell a little when it had that monster move. Right. And you said the former that you would add to it, and now it's gotten clubbed. Well, actually, your memory is not serving you all that well because what I said was it depends upon what your risk profile is. Well, on buying well, yes, very but, specifically. But, but my so, point is that the point you made the other day was not time, that, the point you made right. the other day was not that the fundamentals had gotten ahead of itself, or the stock was ahead of itself. The stock's still the cheapest stock I own. They're still going to earn thirty dollars this year, which puts them at ten times, growing exponentially with a technology platform that is, in my view, comparable to Amazon or Apple. So, and you're going through the same issues that you had as those stocks were moving higher and the fundamentals were moving. Nothing's changed. 
So from a long-term standpoint, I stay there. This is a phenomenal opportunity to buy the stock if you've got a long-term view. And that long-term view is not 10 years. That long-term view is three months, six months, et cetera. When the CDC comes out and says, goes away from the political nonsense of saying you need boosters because they're afraid of disincenting people who haven't gotten their first injection yet, then that's another, that's a subscription model at higher prices. And when the pandemic is more under control, that $22 to $25 a dose now that was raised 15%, by the way, just recently, goes to $100 to $150. And it includes your flu vaccine and other viral vaccines combined in it. So, I mean, this is just a juggernaut. It's cheap, it's gonna stay cheap. They're buying back a billion dollars of their stock. I wouldn't be surprised to see them extend that and make it higher. And I've got a CEO that owns 7% of this company that is spending money and bringing the right people in and very high level people who don't think the story's over. This story is just beginning. Stocks go up and down. This is one of those that go up and down. It's got more vol than a lot of stocks in the portfolio. So I still like it. Okay. I'm still there in still Scott, in an unreasonably large position. Yeah, no, you, but you did take issue too Scott, with that Oppenheimer call where, where the analyst there downgraded the stock from outperform to perform, saying that the stock was pricing yeah. in a, a tremendous amount of future revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Joe, but, you, but, but hey, Scott, got a Joe, you were on the parade float with Weiss. You remember that shot of you uh, as a parade absolutely. the float was going down Main Street, waving everybody uh, inside? Absolutely, so, absolutely, absolutely. So I deserve criticism on that as well. Look, the stock is up 37% from July 30th until Monday when we went on the show. Now it's pulling back about 25%. I added it to the Quality Momentum Index, therefore it's in the Joe T ETF. We did that on July 30th. We still maintain a profit in it. It's a rules-based investment approach, so we're gonna maintain positioning. Here's the problem. On Monday we were talking about it, and it was trading up at $490. And no one at that point, myself included, suggested at 490 you should be selling the stock. So let's say you went in and bought the stock at 490 on Monday. Guess what? I don't care what Steve just said. I don't care what I think. You've got a problem now. The stock is trading 388. What do you do with the stock at this point? You have to set a stop loss where you're going to cut your loss. To me, that point would be somewhere around 340 to 345. That's where the stock broke out from in early August. At that point, if you bought it in the high 400s, you definitely have a problem, and you need to make sure that you ensure you cut your losses. To me, that's the level I'd be doing it at. Okay. Uh, let's do this. I want to talk about the airlines today, given what Southwest had to say and their warning and what it means for that space. We'll do that when we come back. Up next, the investment committee is making other moves in this market, too, that you need to know about. We'll talk about their latest buys and sells straight ahead. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We're back in two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, 
drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is our CNBC News update at this hour. Amtrak is requiring all of its employees to get vaccinated against COVID by November 1st or undergo weekly testing. Amtrak also saying that those working remotely will not have to return to their office or facility until November 1st. And on the news, mask or no mask, a report from Tennessee on students going maskless at schools as COVID cases rise amongst kids. And a new study shows that pregnant mothers who get COVID may have more complications giving birth. Researchers looked at data for more than 860,000 women who gave birth during the pandemic. And those who became infected were more likely to have preterm births and also be admitted to intensive care than those who did not contract the disease. The CDC now recommending that pregnant women get vaccinated after new research found no increased risk of miscarriage. And apparently even the Pope has phone calls that he has to take near the end of his weekly audience in a Vatican auditorium. Pope Francis took a cell phone from an aide and chatted for several minutes. No word from the Vatican on the nature of the call. But Scott, it looked very important, mm -hmm. clearly. He's entitled, right? Why not? Yeah, I hear you. Pope gets a call, I gotta take it. All right, Rahel, thank you, Rahel Solomon. All right, let's talk about some of the moves you guys are making. Uh, Kerry, you sold Mettler Toledo. MTD. Talk to me. Yeah, you bet. Well, so despite its name, it's not um, based in Toledo. It's now a Swiss company and it sells about two thirds of its products, which are high precision instrumentation and weighing instruments outside of the U.S. Uh, we've owned it for over two years. The stock has been phenomenal. It now sells for more than 44 times earnings. Uh, there was a price target we had. It exceeded it. It kept growing faster than expected. And we don't own that many names. We own them for the long term. We think there are other opportunities, but this has been a monster. Great stock for us, MTD. And we just thought it was time to um, Time to try something else. Right, up 33% year to date. Uh, nice winner for you. Jim Labenthal, Mr. All In. You bought more <laughs> Bristol Myers. And and Abvi, uh, Scott. So and I, I really do believe that the pharmaceutical yeah, I believe the pharmaceutical sector does have a nice bid to it right now. These are single digit multiple stocks with above average dividend yields. So, you know, earlier this year I owned Verizon and it was just too boring. It gave me the dividend and nothing else. Here you have growth and you can see that growth coming from the demographics. Uh, you can see it from the fact that the Democrats don't have their eye on drug price control. So for me, this is a simple way to get some uh, nice returns. Life can be simple. It doesn't have to be as hard as Steve Weiss makes it. I know he likes to exercise, you know, do jumping jacks on a carpet of banana peels. Not everything has to be that hard. This is simple. All right. Well, since you did mention Weiss and Weiss, you know, I have to admit, you know, sometimes I don't know your true motives. So I'm seeing the fact that you trimmed, <laughs> you trimmed Cleveland Cliffs. Now, 
Oh, no. W let me ask you just straight up. Would you have done that if Farmer Jim was not on the program today? Uh, yes, I, I, I would have, actually. <laughs> With hesitation, he says. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. Hope so. <laughs> Only hesitation because I, I, Jim spoke about something that was boring. I didn't think that was possible in his world. <laughs> Why'd you, um, why'd you so trim cliffs? Taking it back. Why, why'd you trim cliffs? And I yeah, get Jim I the trimmed rebuttal. it because, because Cliffs has had a very big move. I own a lot of valet, which is iron ore. Cliffs is more of integrated steel and iron ore play. And it moved up. So it's still a large position, but it's portfolio management as Jim has done in his very own stock. So uh, look, uh, you know, you do that when you run it. So the balance was off. So I took some off. As I said, still a large position. It was a great call by Jim. Um, and I say that uh, begrudgingly. But it worked out very nicely. He's trying so to make you feel better, Jim. Profits. He's trying to, even as he tears you down, he's trying to lift you back up. Yeah. You know, uh, that's one thing I will never belt. do, Scott. <laughs> Should have trimmed Moderna, not Cliff's. Ouch. I've never heard somebody get so much crap for a stock that's up, you know, 15 times. That's only because you, that's only because, I, I got makeup in my, that's only because we, uh, they carried you off on, the, on their shoulders the other day for, for Moderna. Um, and appropriately so, yeah. might I add. You, um, you bought Coinbase for a trade. I did. I did. So, you look, I'm not a believer in, in crypto as a currency. I have said repeatedly, though, I do think it's an asset class at this point. That's unmistakable. I think the volatility is going to continue. The quarter was a blowaway quarter. Still an expensive stock, but there's been a lot of price targets raised. I think the volatility is actually going to increase with Gensler there, with headlines coming out, with Congress. So they take advantage of it. That's what they do. So it's a trade for me. I can't tell you when I'm going to be in there, how long I'll be in there. Tight stop right now. I'm basically flat on the P&L. But I like it moving up over the next couple I of weeks. I got one more thing, too. I mean, you guys make me laugh, so the makeup was running into my eyes. It was burning my eyes. Uh, you sold NVIDIA. What's up with that? So NVIDIA was a trade. After it split, uh, the stock traded off a little bit. I thought it should have traded higher, as a lot do for splits. There's no economic benefit to a split. It's just meant to bring in more, more investors from the retail side, um, even though it doesn't change the economics. So it worked out. It wasn't a great trade, but it worked out. I've got enough semi-exposure, and uh, I prefer to stay with the core that I have rather than what's almost a meme stock. So, so that's why I sold it. Okay, so Went we will... For trade. Stuck with my discipline. I got you. I got you. Uh, all right. We will take that break. Uh, we still have to talk about the airlines, given what Southwest had to say today, just three weeks after their earnings report and the interview on Squawk on the Street, where they didn't really say they saw any problems with the Delta variant, how things change. We'll talk about that next. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, Southwest Airlines cutting its guidance, saying the Delta COVID variant is hurting bookings. Jim Labenthal, what are we to make of this I go to you not by accident. I mean, you do invest in Alaska and you are Mr. All In. 
Yeah, and between Alaska, Boeing, and Raytheon, I've got significant aerospace exposure. I think what you're supposed to do is look at the price action in the stocks. Uh, we've got positive today uh, on most of the airlines. And I think what the market is saying is that, yeah, we're aware Delta could get worse. But right now, the base case assumption is that people deal with it. They get more vaccinations, wear masks indoors, do the things they're supposed to do but that basically the economy reopens, that kids go back to school, uh, that people take vacations, et cetera, et cetera. So the ultimate question, the Southwest News today, is that the signal or is that the noise? The market's saying it's noise, and I tend to agree with that. I just think we're a long way from a lockdown. Yeah, I mean, lockdowns aside, because we don't think that that's going to happen. I'm looking uh, at, yep. at Live Nation right now, too. Just to see if we need to start thinking about uh, other stocks like that. And I'm wondering, Steve Weiss, whether you think we do. Live Nation's down one and a third percent. I mean, if, no. if first Southwest, then who's next? Mm -hmm. Because presumably there is a next. Yeah, so until the, the Delta you know, variant and, you know, really dissipates, I know Dr. Scott Gottlieb has been phenomenal thinks that we're two weeks away from away from the peak as has been said but until it really starts to ebb i think these stocks are in jeopardy because people aren't relying on what he says they're relying on what they see and i tell you anecdotally and i think that if you took a vote in the on the panel we'd all be sharing this is that more and more people are wearing masks so more and more people are cautious i know i'm wearing a mask now when i walk into a into a place that's enclosed and has other people so that's going to cut back on the travel um but you're still going to go out if you're protected and if you're vaccinated you're still going to have those concerns but less concerns so so for look now, it, sure. it's an issue now for now, for now. And whether that extends for two weeks or for a month, I don't know. But right now, it's extending. People will cut their travel plans. And we're seeing that. So it's reasonable to think that Live Nation will retreat and that the others will oh, retreat. I just use that as an example, right? I, I just pulled that up top of my head to right. say, hey, you know, I wonder, I wonder if we need to start thinking about some of those uh, trades that have rewarded investors pretty well. I'm also thinking, Joe, and I'm looking right now, and I think you still own Marriott, M-A-R. Uh, not really seeing a big downdraft today at all, a third of a percent, but I think you did own it in the past. Am I right or wrong? I, I did own it in the past. And I think the right way to think about this, and I'm going to go back to the airlines for one second because that's really you want to give the proxy. Uh, if you think about the quarter to date, Jimmy talked about performance. Alaska Air is significantly outperforming the other airlines. So Jim's in the right place. Why is that? That's because uh, the majority of their revenue is not derived from business travel. And Scott, I see business travelers as being very prudent, very fickle in terms of their return. They're not going to get on an airplane, whether domestically or internationally, until you have this unified message as it relates to vaccinations. I want to focus on that business traveler. And that business traveler it's not coming back anytime soon as we're seeing the rise in the Delta variant. That's really, I think, uh, the most concerning element of it. Okay. Before we go to break, check out this mystery chart, a stock that's up more than 75% this year. Now, one analyst says it has more room to run. Perry Firestone may have something to say about this one. In our call of the day, we do the reveal next. We teased a mystery chart before the break. It is Blackstone. Shares are up more than 75% this year. 
Deutsche Bank says there's more room to run. Carrie Firestone, it is one of your top positions. Yeah, I mean, thank you, Deutsche Bank. Uh, we have owned a huge amount of Blackstone. In fact, the last time I was on, I think we uh, mentioned that uh, we cut some of it. It's still one of our largest positions. It's a perfect positive storm. You have this huge, hot market for private assets and real estate. They're one of the major players there. We've got a, a tremendous machine for generating fund assets on which Blackstone fees at a very high rate. And then finally, interest rates, even if they tick up, as we talked before, are still historically very low. And that keeps these private markets on fire. And I think that's, you know, that's great for Blackstone's business. So, you know, I, I applaud the call. Um, the stock, as you see, has been really strong. Uh, that's why we trimmed a little. But I agree with the thesis about the fundamentals. Joe, what about you? You own Blackstone. You bought it on May 3rd at 88.50. Mm -hmm. So you've had a nice gain there. Mm -hmm. Maintaining the position, we also own Blackstone and KKR and the ETF. I agree with what, everything that Carrie just said. In addition to that, it offers inflation protection, uh, excellent hedging mechanism, and it also is an alternative investment solution, kind of replacing what we thought hedge funds were going to be years ago. We've got another call today on FedEx, reiterated a top pick at J.P. Morgan. Joe, I know you own it, but Weiss, you, you own it too. Yeah, it's been a very disappointing uh, position. I'm up slightly in it. I was up a lot more. Look, I don't know why it's traded down as it has. Uh, and they just announced a price increase for the for the Christmas season. I think this goes higher still. Well, it's wasn't very, it up a, very cheap. Wasn't it, I'm looking right now. Wasn't it up a ton? No, I don't know. I thought it yes. had a nice run. By the way, I mean, and also, didn't, did. didn't UPS have some issue with volumes or something like that not that long ago? And, and maybe that's one of the issues, too, for the shippers. I'm not sure. The, the issue was cost, and labor uh, costs. you know, labor costs. Yeah, that that was the issue. But they're they're beyond that, and there's still two players in town plus XPO, which helps them out. But I still like it. I'm there. I haven't sold any. I've been looking at buying some more, but I'm I'm trying to be patient. I got you. Okay, we'll do Ask Halftime next. You can send your questions by video. We'll play them on the air. Email us Ask Halftime at CNBC.com. We'll be right back. All right, we're answering your questions now. First up, a video question for Steve Weiss. Hey, good morning, guys. I love the show. Uh, Mr. Weiss, I've been following your bullish thesis on Volkswagen. I agree with you. Uh, what do you think after their recent earnings report? Are we ready to run? Thank you. What do you think? Well, here's the story. Yeah, thanks for the question. Here's the story. This is not a stock that's going to explode. It's going to move steadily higher. It's my second largest position, although a few more days like this in Moderna, it may be my largest. But I think that this is going to show the world how to make the EVs right and how to sell them everywhere in the world. So love the story, love Porsche. This would explode if they spin out Porsche and they show that's a much better company than Ferrari, which is selling at 40 times earnings. So it's still seven, eight times. I like this. I'm staying with it. It's a great story going forward. Okay, Carrie, I have a video question for you now. Let's watch. Hi, this is Diana Shapiro from San Diego. My question is about AutoZone. They recently reported earnings. It has a PE ratio of about 17. Um, and they blew earnings away, but the stock dropped about 100 points on very low volume. I know there was a lot of put buying ahead of earnings. Is this a buy or a sell? What do you think? 
Yeah, Diana, good question. I think that the auto sector is interesting, and I think this is an attractive name. The two key drivers for growth, and this is true and no pun intended, for both O'Reilly, which we own, and AutoZone are miles driven, which continued to rebound after the pandemic, and the used car market being strong, and we know that it's been incredibly strong. This company sells at an attractive price. It has more do-it-yourself rather than professional uh, customers, which might be an issue in the second half of the year. But at, at this level and where the market is going, I think AutoZone is continue, will continue to do well. All right. So, yeah, we All like right. it. All right, good stuff. Uh, Jimmy, lastly to you, Farmer Jim from Vincent, Pennsylvania, uh, big fan of CNBC. Disney looks good long term. Will it be a $300 stock? And it does report earnings uh, that is tomorrow. Yeah, Vince, I uh, love the question. I love that you're thinking long term. Yeah, it gets to 300. It doesn't get there this year. I think you've got a three-year runway. That's about a you know 67% total return. But look, you've got the, the theme parks opening up. You've got great streaming uh, numbers, and those will continue to grow. You've got the studios open. So give it two to three years to get to 300. I like the call. All right, we'll do final trades. We'll do it next. Showing you the White House as we come back from a break because the press secretary, Jen Psaki, is holding a press briefing as we speak and said just moments ago that the White House has seen has started to see some leveling off of COVID-19 infections in states seeing surges. That is uh, obviously welcome news. Our fingers are, of course, crossed to see if that remains to be the case. It does confirm what Dr. Scott Gottlieb was saying last evening that uh, he was also seeing some signals that we may be leveling off from this Delta variant and what it's been doing in states uh, down south, especially Florida, uh, Louisiana, and Texas among them. We'll keep our eyes on that. Keep our eye on the market, too, by the way. The Dow was good for 226 at its higher, just about that. Moved up a little bit, uh, just shy of 200 again for the Dow, a new record high today as well. Let's quickly do final trades, guys, before we do the handoff to the exchange. Kerry, what do you have for me? Ford of industrial tech breaking out here. Okay, thank you for that. Farmer Jim? Boeing flying certification flights in China. Steve Weiss? Moderna, of course. <laughs> of course. All right, Joe T. <laughs> Best Buy. All right, good stuff. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.